You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, released in mid-February 2022. Today we go back to the year 1977 with classic hardcovers. Get ready to mortgage your house again for another great year. Also joining us is Tony Witt, our professor of Target Bookology. In addition to that, we'll show you some alternatives in protecting those hardcover books. We also have our most outrageous offer and some breaking news. But before we begin, let us begin with a song. Take it away, Fraser Hines. Welcome back to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, the podcast that explores the expensive world of Doctor Who collecting, those who collect, issues surrounding Doctor Who collecting, and of course, all kinds of Doctor Who merchandise. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and welcome back to our show. I've been a Doctor Who collector now for 40 years. And I did get lucky enough to open up one of the first Doctor Who stores in Chicago. Not the first store that sold Doctor Who, but the first Doctor Who store. And we served the fans and fan clubs only of Chicago. We didn't have bricks and mortar, but we had a car and some boxes, and we went from club to club like a little mini convention. It was called Bundles from Britain, and it turned into a full-fledged business that lasted several years. And the... A partner that I started it with went on, of course, to continue in business. He opened up a new store later on called Alien Entertainment. Uh, And by the way, Bundles from Britain, mentioned in a wonderful, wonderful book. I can't say enough about this book. It's called Red, White, and Who, the Story of Doctor Who in America. And you can find Bundles from Britain on page 384. An idea I had when I was 15 years old, one day in my parents' house, is now part of Doctor Who history. That's pretty intense. And uh, I was very happy to see that. I did not submit this information to the book. I had no idea it was being written. So that tells me a lot about the reach that we had in the day. You can find a convenient link to buy this book on our front page. Our website is DoctorWhoCollectors.com. And I just want all collectors to have it. We do not earn any money on the book. I am always excited to say we are part of a Doctor Who podcast network called Direction Point, and you can find other great Doctor Who podcasts at directionpoint.org. So if you happen to be a Doctor Who podcaster, you need to be part of this network and join the ranks of Time Streams, Police Box in a Junkyard, the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, Traveling the Vortex, and of course, this one. For more information, go to directionpoint.org. And speaking, of course, of links, uh, I want to make sure that I include these in every episode just to make sure that collectors have the same resources because with this particular podcast, you can begin at any episode. You don't have to start at the first one. But if you want to go back that far and see how we evolved, changed, you know, created a, had a theme song and changed the format, you know, we figured out what worked. But 
um, go back to the first episode. I think it's a great talk through of the Dalek book, the very first um, Doctor Who item ever published. I thought that was a, a very uh, worthwhile thing to do for the first episode. And that was uh, back a few years ago. So check us out. Um, these two links include timelash.com, and that under that umbrella is the TARDIS library. You can keep track of your books, your vinyl, your CD collection, your Betamax tapes for absolutely free. Just sign up for a free account there. A special thank you to Mr. Dan O'Malley. We promise to have Dan O'Malley on the podcast at some point. If you need to find something that is unusual or not covered in that category that the TARDIS library covers, then you need Howe's Transcendental Toy Box at doctorwhotoybox.co.uk. Of course, that site is run by David J. Howe, who's a great friend of our podcast and a good friend of mine as well, and he's a great resource for collectors. Now, if you're looking for Doctor Who items at wonderful prices with great service and great shipping or local pickup options, then you need to go to doctorwhostore.com. And that's owned by Alien Entertainment. They have everything you need, and they're currently running sales on many items. If you live in the Chicago suburbs, you can select free pickup from their store, and while you're there, browse the incredible selection of Doctor Who and science fiction items. Uh, you can meet Gene Smith, the owner. He's usually there on Saturdays. They're open Wednesday through Saturday, so if you need to find out more, visit alienentertainment.com for store hours and other information. You can also find great Doctor Who items at Forbidden Planet. They're one of our sponsors, so you don't have to go finding Forbidden Planet. You can go right to our homepage at DoctorWhoCollectors.com and select Merchandise Links. And we have all the latest things from Forbidden Planet available to you. Just click through. It'll take you to the Forbidden Planet checkout site where you pay them and they will ship it to you. And as a, as a nice way of, you know, thanking us for keeping their stuff on our webpage, we get a small commission back. So you don't pay extra. You pay the same price, but the Doctor Who Collectors podcast gets a little bit back. So, of course, that's a really important thing. Also, our own eBay store is on there, and we are currently going to be listing a lot of uh, Target books, mostly reading copies. We got a bunch of them in the, uh, you know, donated to the podcast, and uh, we're going to use that to raise some money to help pay our bills. So that's really important for us as well. We'll have more on how to help us a little later on. Uh, in addition to all the podcasts, of course, we have on there and the merchandise links, we also have the complete guide to Doctor Who classic hardcover books. The hardcover books that started in 1974 on the Alan Wingate imprint and then all the way to 1988 on W.H. Allen. These were these cloth-bound 6x9 books that sold, um, didn't sell as well as they hoped, but they're out there and they're very sought after by collectors. So we have a complete list of all the books published. We even have reprints that some collectors didn't even know existed. We're still not sure some of these exist. They only found them from other resources. And we're hoping that proof of life will be supplied to us. If you have a book uh, that I say need proof of life on the website, send us a photo of the uh, front cover and the inside cover that tells me the printing. And uh, we'll thank you on the air, of course, and we'll credit you in the guide. Very important there. Uh, of course, including, including today's episode, uh, we will be airing our 10-part series of our classic hardcovers with our Doctor Who novelization expert, Tony Witt. Now that Chicago TARDIS 2021 is behind us, we are counting down to next Thanksgiving weekend for Chicago TARDIS 2022, which will happen. 
Tickets are on sale now. And so you can go to chicagotardis.com and uh, you can buy tickets right now. You can get uh, some weekend passes or single day tickets. Um, it's a really wonderful opportunity to do that. So keep ChicagoTardis.com in your bookmarks and experience the best Doctor Who convention in the Midwest. Uh, I am particularly honored because I am the official collecting expert for Chicago Tardis. I have presented uh, four panels on Doctor Who collecting in the last five years, um, including our 2020 virtual convention where I presented uh, on the, online. And so if you want to see the online virtual convention, you can still do that for absolutely free. And you can do it a couple ways. You can visit the Chicago TARDIS Facebook page or the Chicago TARDIS YouTube page, or you can visit the Doctor Who Collectors podcast YouTube page and select playlists. And that uh, presentation is right there. And of course, we'll be doing more video um, episodes, but our video episodes we're going to keep to our Patreon page. And I'll explain about that in just a moment. Um, I will have Chicago TARDIS updates as they happen. As of right now, it's tickets are on sale. And so not too long in the future before they start announcing guests. And we're, we're always hoping for, they always have great guests. Last convention, uh, I met the Valiard and the Sixth Doctor. Uh, of course, I've met Colin Baker before, but also Neve McIntosh um, and uh, lots of great people. Sadie Miller, of course, who we had on the podcast, uh, was there for her first American convention. And Lauren Cornelius, who we'll, we will be talking to soon. Um, she is playing uh, the uh, character of Dodo Chaplet, which is interesting because Jackie Lane herself uh, recently passed away. And I just want to say real quick, as a, the day I'm recording this podcast, I'm recording this um, on the same day as would be the 76th birthday of Elizabeth Sladen. So I want to wish her a happily, happy heavenly birthday. A special thank you to our sponsors. Um, I've already talked about Forbidden Planet, but our other sponsor is Bags Unlimited Incorporated. We incorporate collection protection into every episode to help you as the collector protect what's important to you. If um, the more valuable the item, the more pricey the protection becomes. So, you know, they don't keep the Hope Diamond in a plastic bag. They keep it in a secure location that probably costs millions to protect because the diamond itself is priceless. It's worth beyond that. Anyway, bagsunlimited.com uh, will have everything you need for that and get most of those things there. They gave us a wonderful um, uh, supply of uh, giveaways at the Doctor Who uh, convention this past November. We gave away a lot of things. In fact, we just gave away a free copy of David J. Howe's new book, The Who Adventures, the story behind Virgin Publishing. And we want to thank our winner there. Jonathan Ruffell was our winner. We drew na uh, names on a wheel of people who sent in and course, we're going to keep that tradition up uh, with a giveaway. And uh, so keep listening to the podcast for these opportunities to get free Doctor Who items. Another link I want to just share, speaking of David J. Howe, um, you can get the latest books from Telos Publications at telos.co.uk. And yes, they ship to the United States. Uh, today's main story, of course, is uh, we're talking about classic hardcovers of 1977. This will be the final year for the Alan Wingate imprint. Uh, joining us, of course, is Tony Witt, our Target Book expert and host of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, uh, Direction Point podcast. As of this taping, the podcast has finally exited the key of time, and they're moving forward into the Tom Baker later years. 
I want to thank our patrons, of course. We do have a Patreon page. Uh, you can find it at patreon.com backslash Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. You can see exclusive video interviews that we do with uh, some of our guests, including uh, Sadie Miller, David J. Howe, and Katie Haynes, and future interviews, of course. And other video episodes that we do will be exclusively kept on our Patreon page. Uh, and you can get there by the $15 level or above. So uh, right now, I want to thank the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast for supporting us. And uh, you can also support us, by the way, if you don't want to go through the whole Patreon thing. Just go to doctorwhocollectors.podbean.com. Podbean is one of our main podcast providers. And you can become a patron at any level just by clicking the patron button. Our theme song, of course, is Who's Doctor Who, composed by Barry Mason and Les Reed, performed by Fraser Hines. Uh, according to many music experts, it was the only flop that Barry Mason and Les Reed wrote. They wrote many number one hits, including stuff for Tom Jones and other artists. But Fraser Hines really likes this one. And we do, too. You can hear this podcast, of course, Almost anywhere you get your podcasts, including Stitcher Radio, Pandora, Amazon Music, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Wisdom. However, you will not find us on Spotify. We are a Direction Point Network podcast. More information at directionpoint.org. After the break, we'll have some breaking news in the Target Book area that we forgot to include on our last episode, but we will get to it today. Uh, we have collection protection, our main story, and our guest is Tony Witt today, and the most outrageous offer. Stay tuned. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the Vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. Gentlemen, I've got news for you. And now we have some breaking news on the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I am happy to announce that new Target books have been announced from BBC Publishing. BBC Books has announced that it will be expanding the Doctor Who Target range with five new titles in the summer of 2022 with a publishing date of July 14th, each with newly commissioned artwork, cover artwork, that is, by Anthony Dry. Penned by the original scriptwriter, the late David Fisher, and adapted from his 2011 and 2014 audio novelizations, The Stones of Blood and The Androids of Tara are now being released as two Target books. The original Target versions were published in the 1970s, were written by, of course, former Doctor Who script editor, the late Terence Dix. 
These will be accompanied by a target edition of The Fires of Pompeii by James Moran, as well as The Eaters of Light by Rona Monroe, and The Zygon Invasion by Peter Harness. For Doctor Who fans, the range of novelizations published by Target Books from 1973 and the 1980s all the way through have a special place. There was a novel published for almost every Doctor Who serial, with a few notable exceptions. Since 2012, BBC Books has been successfully reissuing these classic paperbacks and expanding the target range to include all new novelizations of modern-era Doctor Who episodes. These latest additions to the collection, all by the original writers of the TV episodes, will help Target fans complete their classic and modern-era collections. This is exciting. As of right now, they are all available for pre-order at Amazon.co.uk at a United States cost of $9.49 each, plus applicable shipping. They are not available for pre-order on the U.S. Amazon site, but remember, your Amazon login works across all of their platforms, so you can log in to the U.K. site and order from them. I've done it many times, and it's very safe to do so. Their shipping is very well done. I've never received a damaged item from the U.K. Also in breaking news, with regards to the podcast here, we have proof of life on a classic hardcover reprint. This was very excited. This happened just recently. Uh, we have proof that a copy of the Dinosaur Invasion 2nd Edition, published in January of 1977, has been discovered, and photos have been sent to establish the proof that it is a second print. So my special thanks to Mr. Colin Young, who had this non-library copy on his shelf. So the online guide has been updated to show this as an existing copy. Uh, if you have a classic hardcover reprint that maybe we don't have proof of life of, send us proof of life to Doctor Who Collectors Podcast at gmail.com with proof of life in the subject heading and the photos attached with your name. And we will credit you on the guide. This has been Breaking News. Hello, this is David J. Howe, Doctor Who collector and author. You're listening to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. Keep collecting. And now it's time for the main story. This is a continuation of our coverage of the classic Doctor Who hardcovers that we have done for a few episodes and have a few more to go beyond this. Uh, we've covered 1974 and 75 in one uh, episode that was four books, and then we covered the 1976. So those were the imprints of Universal Tandem, which used the Alan Wingate or Longbow imprint, depending on the printing. We are starting today with 1977, where it begins very strong, but ends kind of weak. Uh, so as far as publications go, a total of 17 hardcover books were published, of which seven of them were reprints and 10 were new publications. Uh, compared with Target paperbacks, they only had 11 published and not necessarily keeping pace with hardcover releases at this point. In addition, this is the final year that Tandem will use the Wingate imprint for all hardcovers. Beginning in January of 78, it becomes W.H. Allen or Longbow slash W.H. Allen. So again, that brief history, in 1975, Universal Tandem was sold to the British conglomerate Howard and Wyndham, and the company was renamed Tandem Publishing, uh, before being merged with the paperback imprints of Howard and Wyndham's publishing house, which was called W.H. Allen. So they became Wyndham Publications Limited in 76. Uh, during 77 and 78, the Wyndham identity was completely phased out of the publication process, and the tandem imprint was phased out completely in 1980. 
And all surviving titles from that backlist were reprinted under the W.H. Allen paperback imprint, Starbucks. The Target imprint, of course, survived until 1993, though its later years were almost exclusively Doctor Who novelizations. And of course, anytime I mention the words Doctor Who novelization in the same sentence on this podcast, uh, I have an order here signed by the Graxis Wardens, the Galactic Peace Commission, the Central Committee of Mondas, and the Keeper of Trocken to include our resident Doctor Who novel specialist, the host and producer of the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast, the incomparable Professor Tony Witt. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, Larry, though I take issue with the idea that those groups would actually get along with each other long enough to sign such a thing. Well, they're I, just like Congress. They don't really they don't really, they do don't really that, have any sort of bipartisan things going on. <laughs> I, I think if the issue is big enough and they kind of overlook their differences and they work it out in conference committee, then <laughs> then there's a there's a reach out there. Although I'm sad to say though, an update just came through. The Graxis Wardens are now part of the Dalek Empire. I'm sorry, Graxis Wardens. Uh, so um Anyway, and the sad part is they're the ones that I actually gave the bribe to. Oh, man. Oh, sorry to hear. <laughs> I think you wasted your money. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Always do. Well, anyway, I'm great to, great to have you here. And of course, uh, I'm glad that your podcast is part of a wonderful network called Direction Point. So we can find out more about that uh, at directionpoint.org. We can find great Doctor Who podcasts or even this one. So it's a wonderful thing. Just to steal a line from my friend Tony here. Um, of course, the publication of 17 Doctor Book Doctor Who books in a in a year is a little bit more than they've done in previous years. They really hit it hard in the beginning of uh, this year um, because this year represents 10 Target paperbacks and seven uh, reprints. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of interesting how they went hard on the reprints. Now, um, to my listeners, the hardcover reprints have. Basically, in 1978 was the final year that they issued any official reprints. So it always makes me um, cringe whenever I see a hardcover book from 1981 for sale saying it's a first edition. I said, well, that's the only edition. (laughs) They didn't reprint anything after that. Um, There were also four Target non-novels published that year that Tony and I actually covered in a previous podcast. We'll give those a cursory mention here today. Um, the Target book publications for 1976, of course, mirrored the hardcovers exactly. Ten of those pub- books were published in 76, three in 73, seven in 74, and seven in 75. So the hardcovers are now, like I said, keeping pace to a, to a degree. But pretty soon, this is going to average about 12 to 13 books per year until the hardcover range runs out in 1988. So... The hardcovers, of course, today are extremely sought after, and this year is even more difficult to find than 1976. If you thought 76 was going to cost you an arm and a leg, this might, you know, eat into your 401k here if you want to get into these. (laughs) Um, Some of these can be found, of course, to just give you some definitions. We have, uh, of course, X Library Edition, which is either pulled or stolen from a library. Or they're non-library editions, which means they're from a retail store or bookstore. Uh, Unfortunately, going back this far, your bigger chance is going to find an ex-library copy because there were very few retail copies that are circulating again today. And if they do come out, you're going to pay for them. Uh, These books, of course, none of these books uh, were distributed in the United States, uh, except for one which we'll get to. And of course, uh, the Target books were not available in this country in 1977. So 77, any good memories from 77, Tony? 
I barely have memories of 77. Um, well, actually, that's not true. 1977 was when we moved from Michigan to Virginia, where my parents were from, which in one way was an excellent move because the public television station down there had Doctor Who in, within yeah. the next two years. Well, that's so wonderful. That's a good thing. Yeah. Had I stayed in Michigan, I probably never would have seen it. Right. Absolutely. Because not every place had it. And of course, uh, I've, I've been in Chicago my whole life. Uh, and so in 77, that's the year they started viewing the Tom Baker stories on, mm -hmm. on Channel 11. It was really uh, and they showed them in half an hour segments uh, from 530 to 6 p.m. every weeknight. So every weeknight, that's where I was. And, you know, I sorry, Dad, I'm turning off the news. It's Doctor Who. And he goes, I, mm -hmm. So he just he gave up and left the room. So, right. Of course, that's how it was. But uh of course, again, uh, now onto the uh, onto the books. So this is what's really unusual. Uh, out of the uh, right out of the gate, um, we're not sure exactly why Alan Wingate was ended in 1978. There's no information about why the imprint went away. Mm -hmm. But all of the hardcovers going forward will either be W. H. Allen, or if they're reprinted, which will only be for one more year, it'll be Longbow W. H. Allen. Longbow is still the children's imprint, so I'm not sure why they used it on some books and not on others. So there's no real decision there. And Longbow, having Longbow on the on the book actually just tells you that either in the earlier years it was an original, but after 1976, those books are reprints. So that just so and that may not affect the value much, but if you're looking for something to distinguish those books, that's how you do it. Of course, in 1977, all bo these books were in hardcover, all with removable dust jackets. So out of the gate, we've got Doctor Who and the Carnival of Monsters, written by Terrence Dix, and uh, has the Allen Gate windprint. I do not have one, but I do have a copy of the Target book here for the uh, viewers. The view people who are viewing this uh, podcast are on our Patreon. Of course, it's okay. You can't see Mr. Tony. He's there, but you just read his name as we're going along here. Uh, but uh, we've got the Doctor Who and the Carnival Monsters. The hardcover looks exactly like the Target book, including the yellow outline, but it had a white spine and a white and a plain white back. So um, this corresponds to the paperback release. The price on the hardback was £2.50, which today corresponds, by the way, to £16.55, which would be $22.34. That's insane. I know. It's amazing how the, that... That two pound fifty was an expensive price yeah. back in the day, which is why probably there are not a lot of those retail um, that were that were sold. Of course, today uh, we're talking now in today's value. This book could fetch as much as four hundred dollars in ex library condition. That's the last reported price, and I haven't seen very many in the last five years. And I do not have a copy in my collection, and it hasn't come up in any of my searches for quite some time. Mm. Uh, and basically, it's a it's just one of those. Um, you know, books that if you find it, grab it. I don't, you know, wherever you can find it. So it's just a, just a wonderful book. Um, anyway, uh, what was the uh, rating on that story for the Carnival of Monsters? We liked it. Even Allison liked it. I oh, gave wow. it a 4.5 out of five stars. Dalton gave it a four and Allison gave it a three. And that is unusual for her. In fact, there are two other books that we're looking at tonight that she gave high scores to and one that was a particularly low one. But this one we liked very much. Well, that's wonderful. Um, so uh, next uh, in, in January, and this is where it gets a little interesting. And of course, hmm, hold on one second. I forgot to grab it off the shelf. 
That is really unusual of me here. So let me just do that. Uh, the next one, um, in January of 1977, we have a, a reprint of Doctor Who and the Planet of the Spiders. And it is an exact reprint of the first edition from 1975, except it has, uh, it's a, this is a copy of the first edition. It has the coming soon on the back. The second edition does not have it. And I'm not sure why it's not next to me at the moment, but that's okay. Take my word for it. Um, and it is also the first, uh, so if you're distinguishing the two, uh, that's the big way to see it. It has a blank back on the back and not the coming soon. This was also, by the way, the very first um, hardcover to be distributed in the United States. It didn't reach the United States until 1985. However, um, we have uh, the evidence, and the evidence is in the form of the Bundles from Britain catalog of 1986, that the first hardcover on page two, and I'll see if I can get that to the camera here. So you know you can't get to the page when you're recording a live podcast. There we go. Uh, so at the top of the, the hardcovers there, you can kind of see that it says Planet of the Spiders, 77 reprint, second edition. We sold it for $21. In fact, we got the entire stock of all of the Planet of the Spiders copies from Lyle Stewart. And so that book is extremely common in the United States to be found in non-library condition interesting it should probably get fetched anywhere anywhere no more than two hundred dollars because a lot of them were sold here the right. ex library copies are usually the ones imported from england because it didn't do very well over in england so the reprint didn't sell very well and they ended up dumping the rest of the stock to the united states and that's the only one from 77 that made it over here very interesting how, how that worked. Of course, it had a price of £2.95, which is up a little bit from the first edition. Um, and it, it really didn't, uh, basically, the, the, the story, long story short, and I've told this story many times on the podcast, is when we ordered these, uh, when we ordered our Target books, we, um, we were offered the hardcovers, and we said, absolutely. And I think it was 20 boxes that got shipped of every hardcover that they, they sent us the entire inventory of Lyle Stewart of whatever they had. And the big punchline to this story is that we never received a bill. <laughs> we called, we talked to our agent. He said, Oh no, we got, we got your invoice here for your target order. Cause there were four boxes of target books that we took to the uh, 85 uh, conventions, but 20 boxes of hardcovers. Nope. Sorry. We don't have any record of that. Oh. We, we talked to Jim and uh, I'm sorry, we don't know who that is. <laughs> so uh, I was with Gene Smith at the time and we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, I think I know what just happened here. I think they just dumped their entire stock and ate the shipping cost. So <laughs> we got those books for nothing. <laughs> so that's, wow. it's, it's really amazing. Of course, the wholesale price would probably have been about $6 a book. So we're, Still talking a little bit of an investment, but we sold out of those uh, Planet of the Spiders books by the end of the year. Mm. They were all gone because no one had seen them here. Right. Um, so, uh, any uh, what were the what were the verdict on Planet of the Spiders as a novel? I 
actually don't have oh, the you know what? Oh, that's right. You know what? I've, I I told you not to worry about it. You know what? Anybody, if you want to figure that out, you can go back two ways here. You can go back to the last episode we did in uh, 75, or you can go to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast and pull up the Planet of the Spiders episode and listen to it for yourself. So there you go. Um, I'm, I'm also per, very perplexed that it's the only book from 1977, but my guess is that was the last of what they had in their warehouse at W.H. Allen and just sent it to New York. And the guy in New York said, what are we going to do with all these? Because <laughs> no, right. nobody wanted them. Apparently they offered them to bookstores. They offered them to libraries. They offered them to retailers, comic book dealers. They're like, they were probably too expensive or too heavy. or So they ended up shipping the whole lot to us. Mm. Um, so, and also to go along with that next in 77, and a lot of books came out in 77, Doctor Who and the Three Doctors, supposedly got a second edition, just like Planet of the Spiders. Um, I have never seen one. However, I don't doubt its existence because of the Planet of the Spiders being out. There's no doubt in my mind that they would have done that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you do happen to have this edition in your collection, and it's a second edition, uh, do me a favor, take a picture of the cover and the inside page and give us an email at Podcast at gmail.com so we can add it to our hardcover guide. And if you haven't visited that, it's at drwhocollectors.com. Click on the official hardcover guide, and we've got all of the classic hardcovers listed in publication order including some reprints and some reprints that are still rumored to exist and some that have had proof of life given up to us. So uh, if you're looking to fill out your collection, that's the definitive checklist. At least it will be until David J. Howe writes a book about it. <laughs> so, so there you go. And now uh, this is what, um, and now back here, the next one, of course, is a reprint of Doctor Who and the Loch Ness Monster, which now rumored to have a third printing. Remember we oh. talked about, two printings before this is the third edition and to my knowledge the only hardcover that would get a third printing mm-hmm. um this uh the information comes from the unofficial doctor who book guide by chris stone and it's only rumored to exist so there's no information i can't even base a price on it because i've never seen it we can only assume from what we know that it was a dust jacket with a wingate imprint in a blank back cover possibly at two pound 95 uh, with the same kind of uh, cover as it was before. So if you also, if you have one of these, again, shoot us an email. Um, next, another reprint in January. We're still in January. Um, they reprinted a rumored reprint of Doctor Who and the Dinosaur Invasion. So we can only guess that it comes again with the same blank blank cover and imprint, and that's it. There's no other information I can tell you about that. Again, the Doctor Who, the unofficial Doctor Who book guide by Chris Stone lists this as a reprint. So again, uh, now we get to uh, another book in January. This is a busy month for them. I mean, they uh, <laughs> they printed a ton of books. Now this one we can confirm. Uh, this is a, uh, a copy of a second edition of Doctor Who and the Tenth Planet. It does exist because I have one. <laughs> here's, here's the first print. Here's the reprint. And how, here's how you know the difference. Ah, the first print. The first print has the coming soon. The second print has a blank backing. So this kind of leads me that even though these are rumored. A bunch of these were printed and this one has a 2.995 price on it and it does say on the inside page uh second impression 1977 so 
this one I came across a few years ago. Uh, it, it was about $100, so not too bad. Uh, it's in really nice shape. It's an ex-library. Exact same cover as the first edition, except for um, the side imprint still says Wingate, but it's the back cover that you need to look at to tell if you've got a first or a second. So that was really interesting to find that. Um, and uh, let's see, also available. The, by the way, they moved the also available from the back cover to inside the book. So my guess is it was cheaper to print it on the newsprint than to print it on the on the dust jacket because having oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, you know, when you've got a color cover and you're doing those wraps, I mean, I was in publishing. I remember the minimal you could do on those, the better. Um, and uh, also, they share the same ISBN number. Uh, the second edition uh, today, I, I know I paid for it years ago, but probably could fetch you about $400 in X library. Uh, I've never seen a non-library edition. The uh, first edition, of course, can fetch a little bit more if you can find one. So that's uh, also that book uh, did not make it to the U.S. for distribution. It would have been nice if it had. That would have been a nice edition to, to have over along with the uh, Planet of the Spiders. So next... <laughs> We've got more reprints. <laughs> it is it is a rumored uh, in the store still in January. Everybody, if you're still paying attention, um, they produced second editions of Genesis of the Daleks and Revenge of the Cybermen together. Um, again, I've seen no proof of life of those, but with Tenth Planet being there and Planet of the Spiders, I'm I'm leaning towards probably. Um, uh, there was a, about three days ago, there was a copy of Genesis of the Daleks in hardcover listed on eBay for 500 Australian dollars Oh, in X library condition. I emailed the seller to ask him what printing it was. He was going to get back to me. I just wanted to know for myself. I'm definitely not looking to spend 500, you know, Australian dollars on that book. <laughs> or otherwise. Or otherwise, because it's. That, that book's just a really tough one to find. And that's why the price is up. So it's, it's definitely, if you, I mean, if you're, if you're willing and you want to dip into your savings for that, go for it. But um, that's um, you know, these copies, by the way, if, if these copies exist, they will fetch, uh, you know, at least 500 Australian dollars is the starting price, but some of them have gone as high as a thousand. So mm. the secondary market, uh, regardless of printing and sometimes regardless of condition. So that, that basically completes the January run. Good grief. Which was crazy. It was f just full of reprints. Very, very, uh, uh, but in 70, February of 77, we get uh, one book. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who and the Seeds of Death, um, released on the Ellen Gate. I do not have one, but this is what the uh, Target book looks like there, the Seeds of Death. This is a second printing. And uh, it shows to have a, a price of £2.50, which is slightly below, or possibly 2.95. We can't really verify it. The uh, book was written by Philip Hinchcliffe and corresponds to the same month that the paperback was released. Um, the last time it sold anywhere, it fetched about $620, and it was an ex-library condition. So I've never seen a copy in my hands. I've only seen a picture. So uh, what was the official verdict on the Seeds of Doom, Tony? We did not like the Seeds of Doom. <laughs> In fact, we have made <laughs> jokes about how much we do not like Philip Hitchless writing over the last, um, how long have we been doing Key to Time? Five months? Five months, yeah. Gosh, because they released the Key to Time books sequentially the year ah, that they released. That's them. right. We'll eventually get there. Yes. And at, they were followed, unfortunately, by Keys of Marinus, which he also wrote. 
Uh, I gave it a 1.5. Dalton gave it a 2. And we had Jenny Ingersoll and Eric Branson on oh, yeah, yeah. that time. And Jenny gave it a 0. 0.5. Wow. And Eric gave it a 2. We did not like that book at all. Okay. Uh, interesting, interesting that. Um, and just a, just a side note, of course, if you listen to, listen to my last episode, I had, uh, I had Sadie Miller on the uh, podcast. And uh, she said that was actually one of her favorite stories to watch. Uh, as far as a thriller, you know, it, it, it had some terrifying scenes. Um, and uh, she she thought that was a, you know, a really, especially, you know, with her mother, uh, the way she was such a wonderful actress um, was portrayed in that. But, well, the thing about that is mm-hmm. that the televised story is one of my favorites. And mm-hmm. I even said that in the podcast. It is not one of my favorite books. Gotcha. Gotcha. That yeah, tells and, you what happens when you have a bad author doing a novelization. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, I, I encourage my listeners to go deep into that. You know, uh, tune, you should have the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast on your subscriptions. But definitely, as far as uh, that goes, and I'm an avid listener as well, um, some of the authors really did a horrible job when, when other authors did a really good job or even improved the story if it was a bad televised edition they made a better book. So it goes, mm-hmm. I know it goes that way. So now we're kind of getting close to one book per month, but it does fade towards the end of the year. So my guess is sales did not, uh, I'm guessing they overreached their budget in January with all those reprints. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, we go to March of 77 and we get uh, Doctor Who and the Dalek Invasion of Earth by Terrence Dix. And I do have one of those. So there it is, the, a nice hardcover edition of that. Alan, it says Alan Wingate on the imprint, uh, just Wingate, which was interesting. This is a first edition. This was uh, discarded from the Dorset County Library for 10p. Wow. I don't remember what I paid for this. I've had it a long time. It wasn't um, 10p. 10 pence. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't 10p, I can tell you that. No, much. I didn't pay 10 pence. I wish I had. <laughs> uh, and of course, the, the wonderful jacket by the late Chris Achilleos. Um, just one of my favorite pictures uh, of the uh, Roboman and the Dalek kind of glowing in the background there. And, um, and uh, it's a, just, a, just a wonderful copy of the book. And it matches the, uh, the Target edition with slightly different coloring. This is the ninth printing of this copy, by the way. Mm-hmm. They, they did a lot of them. And by the way, you can tell on the Target books, by the way, if you're looking, if you see on the back and it has the USA price on the back, you know it's not a first edition. <laughs> because mm-hmm. they weren't distributed here right away. And of course, at the time, the U.S. price was $2.95. So that still felt like a lot. Which what, which did, and especially um, in some, my first Target book, when I bought that in 81, it was $4.80, which was kind of steep. But uh, I still have that book too. It was a copy of The Day of the Daleks. It was the fourth printing. Really cool stuff. Um the Dalek Invasion of Earth in hardcover uh, could fetch, fetch about $400 in ex-library condition. I've seen many copies floating around, so you might be able to even negotiate. Um, I've never seen a non-library condition copy at all. If you do, you'll pay a lot more. So um, I know this is an old one from your podcast. So how did this oh, story yes. uh, how did this story line up? Well, uh, interestingly enough... Uh, Three of us loved it, and one person did not, and it's kind of odd. 
I gave it a four out of five. Dalton gave it a 3.75 out of five. Mm -hmm. Sheena, who was still part of the podcast at that point, gave it a 3.75. And Allison, who had just joined the podcast, gave it a 1.75, thereby ensuring her reputation as a hard ass on our podcast. (laughs) She's since gotten better. She's gotten much better, but she didn't like that book. She thought that we were... Meant to give it a, um, she thought that we were meant to give it a score out of five stars when compared to all of literature. Oh, wow. (laughs) So Shakespeare would be a five, and I guess Shades of Grey would be a one. Okay. So Dalek Invasion of Earth came in at 1.75. So slightly better than Shades of Grey. (laughs) Oh, just slightly, yeah. Yeah, wow. How about that? Oh, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty That's Shades right. of I Grey. Never, I never read the damn I, thing. I, I haven't know. either. So, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, uh, listeners, if that's a, if that's your thing, find the other podcast that handles that. <laughs> this is, this they is a, do exist. They do exist, and this is a, this is a family friendly program. Uh, listen to. By the way, I'm in three countries. I found out today. So this is. Um, I've got four listeners in France. Oh, so, 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 um, vive la France. Yeah, vive la France. And, uh, we, oui. thank you. <laughs> That's all I got. Um, also, just a, just a quick footnote here. There is a rumored second printing of Dalek Invasion of Earth on what was appeared to be the Wingate Longbow imprint, which I'm, I'm doubting it probably be Longbow WH Allen that supposedly happened in January 78. Absolutely no proof that it happened, including information from W.H. Allen. But this was also listed in one of the unofficial Doctor Who guides. So, like I said, if it does exist, great. But I'm casting a a doubt on that. And, of course, um, we go uh, basically to, to April, we get two books. So this is a really good month for that, both on the Wingate imprint. The first one I do not have, but it is uh, Doctor Who and the Ark in Space by Ian Martyr. There's a copy of the Target book. This is a uh, fifth or seventh printing. I couldn't remember, but um, it's the same cover, a very difficult to find uh, hardcover. The other one is Doctor Who and the Claws of Axos by Terrence Dix, and that one I do have. That's a beautiful uh, picture on the front cover. Uh, same, mm-hmm. same imprint here. It says Alan Wingate at the bottom, which is a little different. The earlier ones just said Wingate. Blank back cover. The same uh, on the on the inside gate here. They've got a Terrence Dix biography. On the other side is what the back cover uh, would be on the on the Target book. So just to kind of compare that, and it's the same information, same cover. I've got a first edition Clause of Access. They did reprint this one with a different cover later on, and uh, so those two books came out in April. Um, Ark in Space, very hard to find. Uh, not sure why. And, and we're not sure why that uh, Target actually released Ark in Space on May 10th. Uh, so they waited a whole month on the paperback. We're not sure why there was a delay. Um, I I know that both books were priced at £2.50. Uh, my copy of Claws was actually discarded from the Surrey Library. Hmm. And uh, I think I, I remember I got it in 1986 for $20. 
And uh, Ark in Space, I've got a quick story about the Ark in Space. There was a seller on e on uh, Facebook offering a hardcover edition of the Ark in Space. And one of my former, uh, one of my podcast guests that's on here, David Russell, I don't know if you know him, Tony, but um, he uh, is from Scotland and he actually bought the book. And then I asked him, so how was it? And he, he wrote me back this really long message that said how disappointed he got it because it turned out not to be the actual book. It was a fan-made book. Oh, so and he paid a lot of money for it. So he actually oh. worked, he got he did get his money back and the seller took it back. I don't think the seller understood that he didn't yeah. have the real thing. So okay. it was just it was just a disappointment. So that's still um, I so I go back and say, I've actually never seen a copy because that was going to be my sighting. <laughs> <laughs> so no, don't, I have not seen a copy of Ark in space in, uh, in, in a hardcover just, uh, but the same month, but claws of access, there's actually one on eBay right now. And the current bid is $288. Oof. So in, in this condition, so I, I was pretty close. I was saying, uh, expect to pay about 400. You might even get lucky at 300. If that book, you know, it might rise still it's in the exact same condition as this one. It's an ex library condition. Uh, actually mine's slightly better. Um, I do remember a few years ago at Chicago TARDIS, I had this one with me for whatever reason, and I ran into John Levine, and I pulled this out of my bag, and he just said, oh, God, that's old. <laughs> <laughs> and he would know. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was there. He was in it. And uh, Katie Manning said this was one of her favorite stories to film. So, um, of course, that's, uh, you know, just uh, it's one of the earliest memories I have of watching Doctor Who in 1975 was watching The Claws of Axos. And they did it on a special Saturday where they played all four episodes in a row. They didn't cut them together. So you got the ending credits and then you had to watch the title sequence again, which was kind of cool. Um, and I just basically sat in front of the television for 90 minutes watching this story. <laughs> it was really cool. So what was the uh, the collective verdicts on Ark in Space and Claws of Axos? And you can both. Both of those were very well regarded. And in oh. fact, Trey Corte was on the podcast for both of those as okay. our guest. Uh, for Ark in Space, it was 4.5 from me, 4 from Dalton, 2.75 from Allison, well, because Allison, and 4 right. from Trey. And Claws of Axos, surprisingly, was 4, 4, 3.5, and 3.5. So even Allison enjoyed that one wow. i'm not quite sure what it was that struck her fancy about that particular one i have to listen to the episode again but she particularly liked that one and i obviously given giving it a four did as well yeah i mean it could have been one of it's a it's a, it could have been one of terrence dix's moments where he just had a great you know story and took it to that you know to that next level. I mean, uh, it's not a book I've read in a long time, so I couldn't comment, but I do. I did like the TV story. Mm -hmm. I thought, I thought it was a really wonderful, except uh, every, if you ever tune into the big finish podcast, they always make fun of Bill Filer. <laughs> I'm, well I'm Bill Filer of the uh, New York, New York police department, a British oh. actor doing American, I think a terrible British and, accent. And, and I'm glad he kind of, you know, ah, uh, just a yeah, and the actor wasn't. Of course, he gets it by an axon, I believe. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, sorry, we lost our field agent. How it's classified? <laughs> <laughs> he died of a terrible accent. Yeah, he, he had a yeah terrible accent. 
Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, you heard it here first in the Dr. Collector's podcast. Accident is now a new word in the Doctor Who dictionary. So we'll get that. Um, yeah, like I said, and by the way, no copies of Clause of Access in non-library condition. You're, that's going to be a pretty common uh, theme throughout the 70s uh, of hardbacks. Uh, you won't see that until 81 um, when... Uh, the like I said, the key to time episodes uh, start coming out, and those hardcover editions are now in the United States. So there's a lot of those that are floating around here that are original editions. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, in the May of 1977, we go to Doctor Who and the Brain of Morbius by Terrence Dix on the Ellen Wingate. I do not have a copy in hardcover, but this is the Target book, so you can see a copy of that. It has that wonderful yellow cover, and. It's uh, basically the paperback edition was delayed until June. So this was another month where they released the hardcover in May and they did the paperback in June. It had a price of £2.95, very difficult to find in any condition. So I can't even speculate on a price because I have not seen and none of the people I talked to um, out there, including I don't know if David Russell has one or not, but um, there were a few people I talked to who really look for these things. And so Brandon Morbius, nope, searched every bookstore in London, couldn't find one. Um, so I can't even do that. So what was the uh, was the verdict on Brain of Morbius? That was loved across the board. In fact, oh. that has the highest ratings of any of the books we're looking at tonight. I gave it wow. a four. Dalton, I'm sorry, I gave it a 4.25. Uh, 4. Dalton gave it a 4.25. And Jenny, who was on the podcast that night, gave it a 4.5. So that has one of the highest averages of any of the books we've looked at. Fantastic. So if you're looking for a great Doctor Who read, pick up a copy of The Brain of Morbius. I know you can find a Target copy for as little as $2. Uh, or at uh, Alien Entertainment, they've got them for at least 3 to $5. So definitely, uh, definitely something to pick up. Um, now, for some strange reason, we skip an entire month. Nothing came out in June. So we go to July of 1977 for Doctor Who and the Planet of Evil by Terrence Dix. I do not have uh, a copy, an original copy. This is the reprinted Target book with the neon uh, logo, just so you can get a look at the cover. The cover art's the same for the most part, except for the logo. And it was on the Alan Wingate imprint by Terrence Dix. And the pages stick together. That's when you know you're on a live podcast. And I'm, I'm talking about, and thank you for being here. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, again, uh, and again, uh, for some reason, the Target book was delayed until another month later. So we don't know why uh, that was. So um, the price of the hardcover was £2.95. Again, extremely difficult to find in any condition. I've never seen one. I've never seen one for sale. I've never even heard a rumored one for sale. So I don't have any idea of a price point. We deliver, and on our website, by the way, where we put value, we put unable to determine because we haven't seen one. And uh, I've asked people, hey, if you do see one, let me know what it's selling for and if it does sell. Um, one of my favorite uh, things to with people is that they say, well, I've got something that's worth a lot of money. And they show me the eBay page and it says, well, that's the starting bid. I, I thought you were going <laughs> to show me the sold price because it's only worth what somebody pays for it, <laughs> not what right. they think it's worth. That's not helpful at all. Um, but a uh, uh, quick note, though, before I go any further, that on the, the day uh, the day we're actually recording this podcast, which is January 20th, um, it happens to be Tom Baker's 88th birthday. 
Indeed. And happy birthday, Tom. Happy birthday, Mr. Tom Baker. I had the privilege of shaking the man's hand in 1984 uh, when he came to Chicago at the Hyatt Regency for TARDIS 21. Uh, when I was, uh, it was before I was a dealer, I was just a participant with my other uh, Doctor Who Club fans, including Mr. Gene Smith and Robert Wettendorf and a few other people that we, we went to this convention and waited in line to see Tom Baker. And it was definitely worth the wait. Um, just, a, just a wonderful guy. And of course, at the end of the convention, when they brought all the doctors on stage, Tom Baker was reluctant to get on the stage with Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee. But John Pertwee stepped down from the stage, put his arm around Tom Baker and led him up to the stage. And the crowd just went absolutely crazy. <laughs> it was, and he, he waved at the crowd. And uh, at the same time, during that convention, he made a trip over to WLS News in Chicago to do a quick interview plug for the convention. And the funny thing is they picked a guy who never heard of Tom Baker to interview him. Oh, no. So, uh, of course, he walks in the studio and all the Doctor Who fans in the studio are like, oh, my God, it's Tom Baker. And the guy who interviewed him goes, well, uh, I have never heard of you, of course, but uh, people in the studio tell me here you're famous. And Tom oh. just kind of looked at him. And then, of course, he says, uh, I wish I still had the clip. I used to have a tape with the clip on it, but it's gone. But he said, you know, people like you who invent, I mean, write the news. <laughs> 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 he gave he gave him a zinger. <laughs> it was quite uh and of course uh and, and another another story that same year, that same convention, John Pertwee took a drive over to the Son of Svenguli set to promote um the uh the Doctor Who convention. He came out of the uh the coffin as the doctor. And uh you can actually see a picture. If you go to the uh if you're in Chicago, if you're local, the the Museum of Broadcast History is in downtown Chicago, and there's an entire uh, display of the Sonus Venguli set. And one of the things that's on the table is a photograph of Rich Coe's with John Pertwee. So one of those, <laughs> one of those rare moments that you can find that, but anyway, Tom Baker at 88, by the way, he's still recording big finished stories. He's still playing the doctor. And I believe he's the, um, I if, if I'm right, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's the only doctor to reach the age of 88. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, John Pertwee died uh, a little younger. I know Patrick Troughton died a little younger. Um, and uh, I believe, you know, I think the only one older than him is William Russell, and he's 94. Right. So, fantastic. So, again, uh, we go to, uh, we didn't, we, we skip again here. Nothing, no hardcover releases. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I jumped the gun here. What was, uh, what was the uh, verdict on the planet of evil? Um, slightly, only slightly less good than uh, the previous one. Planet of Evil is 3.5 from me, 3.5 from Dalton, and a 4 from Jenny. So it's one of those rare occasions where the guests actually liked the, the book better than we did. Oh, okay. Interesting. But not by much. Not by much. We, we really love that book. Oh, the mutants, and I actually like the TV story. Uh, the too. the Planet of Evil. Oh, Planet of Evil. Excuse me. I like the TV story minus the cheap effects. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really wonderful story, and kind of um, had a little bit of a resemblance to flash forward to the Satan Pit, yes. where where they're trying to get away from the planet, and they keep getting drawn back. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're trying to, they're, you know, the, in Planet of Evil, they're trying to take the antimatter matter away from the planet, but the planet said, no, you can't do that. <laughs> you have to bring it back. And it's a really wonderful story. Just a, just a, a really nice, a nice television story for, uh, for Tom Baker and, uh, and Liz Sladen. 
Uh, next, uh, we got, uh, by the way, no hardcover releases in August or September. They took two months off. You know, guys, <laughs> just do it. You know, I don't know what's all going reprinting. on. Yeah, I guess all that reprinting in January really hit the budget. Uh, mm-hmm. I can only imagine that they were like, eh, you know, we got to take a little break here. Let sales catch up a little bit. Um, but we wait until, and, and again, there's no reason given for that delay. We just assume that it is sales related or they were on other projects. Uh, I'm even trying to, I even tried to find any um, Alan Wingate prints for that month and there's nothing. So hmm. nothing out there. So uh, we wait again until October of 1977. So just in time for Halloween uh, for Doctor Who and the Mutants by Terrence Dix. And here's a copy of the Target book. I do not have one in hardcover. Um, so this is, of course, by Terrence Dix on the Alan Wingate imprint. The Target was released in 1977 as well. Um, so again, here with uh, um, with the hardcovers and the paperbacks, they're not keeping pace. So this book came out in September, and it took till October to get the hardcover out. So there's hmm. it's starting to the, the breaks are starting to come up and like i said at the beginning of the podcast towards the end of the year it gets very weak so i'm not sure exactly what's going on there um i have never seen a copy of uh the mutants in hardcover i've only i know it does exist for that matter because that's on the publication list and it's uh and on all the official lists but uh i couldn't give you a price because i don't know of any of them that have sold in the last 10 15 or even 20 years i've never seen a copy. Uh, what was the uh, verdict of the mutants? Well, it wasn't very weak, but it certainly came close. Um, Allison and myself both gave it 2.5 and Dalton gave it a three. So we weren't wowed by that one. Okay. It, not quite down to seeds of doom level, but certainly not too far above it. And uh, that's a that's a story I, I actually I used to have vague memories of that one when I was a child because I just remember the opening scene where they get the 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 sphere and go into the TARDIS and then I of course I've seen the whole story since then but I do remember seeing it as a child on TV and just uh, I used to lo- lo- gosh that's why I do this now <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so October was a busy month though so they they actually did one more in October Doctor Who and the Deadly Assassin by Terrence Dix, and ta-da, I do have one. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a wonderful copy. Uh, It is an ex-library, but it is in really good, tight condition. Like, you can still hear the binding kind of crack when you open it. It's really nice. Uh, Discarded from the Sterling District Library in Scotland. And also, uh, and interesting enough, this cover is not by Chris Achilles. Mm. The cover is by Mike Little. And I have no idea anything about Mike Little, but uh, do I. but that's uh, that is the cover. They still use the same picture of Terrence Dix on every uh, hardback, apparently, and they do the blurb on the inside front. So it's a very nice copy of the Deadly Assassin. I remember this one particularly well because I paid nineteen dollars and forty eight cents for it, and uh, it was at a bookstore, mm-hmm. and somehow it got it was over here. It was at bookstore in Evanston, Illinois. And so I was like, so it turns out um, when I inquired at the time, and this was a long time ago, um, they got a bunch of stuff from a guy who moved over here from Scotland. Oh, and brought his books in to sell. And he had this and the guy didn't know what to sell it for. And he had $19. And with tax, it was 1948. (laughs) Somewhere in a file, I've got the little yellow 
slip with the bookstore on it. The bookstore is long gone, but um, but a nice copy, a really nice clean copy of the Deadly Assassin. And the Target copy, of course, matches it exactly, including the Doctor Who logo colors. Uh, this is a first edition of Deadly Assassin. Uh, it is one of my personal favorite stories. Um, and it came out with a, a price of £2.95, completely verified. Um, and uh, I've seen copies today being sold for 200 to 350 in X library condition, uh, impossible to find in non-library condition. I just haven't mm. seen one. Uh, one of my favorite TV stories, but how did the novel hold up? Um, pretty well, though not as well as the TV story. I gave it a four, Dalton gave it a 3.75, but Allison liked that one, so she gave it a three. So okay. definitely not a weak one, definitely one of the stronger novelizations. Yeah, and just one of, uh, probably one of the most, um, I think one of the best Tom Baker stories uh, of his run since he's by himself, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, looking back, I, I think I remember in one of his uh, interviews, he said, that's what he wanted. He wanted to be by himself. And right. he said, no, no, you need a companion. <laughs> <laughs> We'll let you do the one. And it was a good story. It was a great uh, story on the home planet of Gallifrey. Uh, of course, very sad that the previous episode of uh, Hand of Fear was the final episode for Liz Sladen. So, and again, if you want to learn about Elizabeth Sladen and Sarah Jane Smith collectibles and you're new to this podcast, go back one episode where I have uh, Sadie Miller on the program and we go through all of the Sarah Jane Smith stuff and uh, stuff that she's never seen before, which was kind of cool. So very good stuff. Uh, we're down to the final book in 1977, which I do not have a copy of. And it was released in November of 77. So no books were published in December for hardcover. Uh, however, I will fast forward. They did one paperback in December, and that was The Mask of Mandragora. Mm, so, another Philip Hinchcliffe. Yep. And uh, that will be actually the number, the first book. I believe out of the gate in 1978. So you'll have to wait an episode, another future episode for that one. Uh, however, the last book released in hardcover, uh, which I actually have never seen a copy, is The Talons of Wang Chiang. And here's a copy of the Target book. It's the same cover for the uh, hardcover. It is on the Alan Wingate imprint. It'll be the last Doctor Who book on the Alan Wingate imprint. And there is a rumored second printing, which it would either have the Wingate Longbow or Longbow Allen if it exists. That's a that's a big, big triple question mark because um, uh, there's been uh, no corroborating evidence to support a reprint. So um, this, this ends the WH Allen, uh, or sorry, the Allen Wingate imprint of Doctor Who hardcovers. And so going forward, they will all be on the WH Allen imprint. So... Um, Again, uh, this this book, the Target book, was released in November as well. The hardcover had a price of two pound ninety five, and very difficult to find. I've never seen one for sale. Um, what was the uh, novel like, Tony? Well, when we're talking about um, asterisks, okay, <laughs> besides <yes>. things, <laughs> um, this one I have very vivid memories of because it was only eight months ago. It was episode ninety five. And I gave it a 3.5 with an asterisk. Dalton gave it a 3.5. And Allison abstained. Abstained? Wow. Abstained. And the reason <laughs> why is because of the same reasons that that story goes out with a content warning on BritBox now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all of the controversial racist attitudes in it 
are right there in print and obviously they are because they're there in the story so yeah. it's it's a really good book but it's incredibly hard to get past those stereotypes and yeah. he, you can make you can make excuses for it and say, oh, he was trying to capture what Victoriana was like at the time. It's like, yeah, but Victoriana was pretty racist. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, although I, I will give absolutely two thumbs up to the, in, the incredible invention of Jago and Lightfoot. Yes. And, yes, exactly. And, and they continue on and on uh, for many years uh, until I believe was it was um, at. I don't know which one passed away. I thought it was Lightfoot. Oh, Lightfoot passed away. Yeah, because I believe Christopher Benjamin's still alive. Yeah, Christopher. It was uh, Christopher Benjamin, of course, also played Sir Keith Gold, I believe, in, uh, mm-hmm. Inferno. in Inferno. Yeah, very, very, uh, very well-known Doctor Who actor. Um, but yeah, just uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a book. I know it's it's hard to get past, and especially um, even the the actor of Lee Sin, who played Lee Sin Chang, um, very questionable. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. and lots of it's it's uh, but uh, but again it was a great story and one of uh one of my favorite tom baker stories to go through so that basically that takes care of 1977 um and by the way i did a, a quick check here if you want to own a set of these books and keep in mind that some of these books i have never seen for sale so getting a set of these books will be extremely difficult or you have to be very patient and i did a little cost guesstimate estimating that the books that i've never heard of might fetch more like six hundred dollars than four hundred the whole set will cost you eighty one hundred dollars oh good grief and those some of those are ex-library copies so it's it's really something how that that value picked up over the years especially in 85 nobody wanted them (laughs) now Every collector is sprinting for these. Um, so I, I forgot. I don't know if I asked you this before, Tony, but do you, do you have any of these wonderful books in hardcover? Or? Oh, no. No. Okay. Goodness, no. The only, <laughs> the only hardcovers I've ever had of Target books have been the ones that were mass produced in the 80s. Oh, and I yes, always, yes, yes. I always gave those away as giveaways when we went to conventions. Okay. So right now, in fact, let me look across the bookshelf right now i thought i owned one right now no no okay <laughs> i don't have any yeah, of them i've i've got i've got a few here <laughs> yeah i don't have the whole set but i've got uh I've, I've i've got quite a few that go off uh the last hardcover uh when we get to that one much in a much later episode it's like a 10-part series but we're gonna catch we're gonna let the target book club catch up on all of them so we have ratings <laughs> to get that far <laughs> the last hard, uh, hardcover book was the smugglers and it only ran oh. 500 copies I can believe it. <laughs> so that was that was the last one, and uh, and they they basically never it never got sent here to the United States, and they all sold out. And I have not seen a copy of it. In fact, I do remember um, on my on my website on my hardcover guide, I said impossible to find, possibly the rarest hardcover. And I hate using the word rare, um, mm. and except when, you know, you're cooking steak. But uh, when you when you put that tag on it, somebody took a screenshot of my website, put it on the, I believe it was the Target book page and said, oh. I completely agree. I believe he's right. This is the, I've never seen one and I've been looking for years and the most rare hardcover. So it was nice to get quoted by a user. Some people are actually using the guide, which is wonderful. Uh, 
I'm going to do a, just a cursory review here of the last books that were printed in uh, by Target in that year. And we've covered these in another podcast. And actually, we start with the second Doctor Who monster book came out in 77. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who discovers early man. And Doctor Who discovers prehistoric animals. And Doctor Who discovers space travel. Those all came out in 1977 as well on the Target imprint. So it was quite a year for them, but I'm guessing that the year ended kind of lackluster. But although 78 comes out, but no more no more big reprints. I'm I'm not sure why they went to reprint seven books in one month. Probably because Doctor Who discovers low sales. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> when we when we were talking about uh I know in that that other podcast we talked about included the cookbook. Yeah. And uh I had a chance to ask Sadie Miller about Elizabeth Sladen's recipe. And it was like this cauliflower cheese. And she said she had never had it. <laughs> so, so, okay. So I said, well, I told her that Gary Downey basically where it was bothering and bugging these people to give him a recipe. So my guess is she probably took a recipe card out and said, here, go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine that lots of people reacted to Gary Downey that way. Oh gosh. <laughs> So um, a, a lot of the, a lot of the, if you're doing a search on eBay for, um, for these hardcovers, put in Doctor Who hardcover, Alan Wingate, or just Wingate, or Longbow, and sometimes those will come up, and you can save that search, and they will actually do an, uh, do an email. Uh, you can also try Abe's books, but don't get your hopes up there. Not very many of those old hardcovers are on Abe's books because a lot of those bookstores have sold out of them and they're not carrying them or they don't have them. So um, the other place too is to keep an eye on uh, Facebook groups such as the Target book uh, uh, page. Uh, My good friend Dale Santos often gets good deals and uh, he'll have a table at Gallifrey One. So if you're going out to to the convention, check his table out. He might have a few of those. So Beware of price gouging, of course, as well. Um, there, are, um, those of you uh, actually, I should mention the the previous episode to this actually hasn't, as of this taping, hasn't aired yet. I have a conversation with David J. Howe about the new Who Adventures book he just did, and he actually told me how those online bookstores have those high prices. And so it's a really interesting way that these bots work around where you're actually looking at a price of a book. They don't actually have the book. Mm -hmm. They haven't bought it yet until you pay that money. Then they're going to buy it from another seller that has it for a much lower price and then sell it back to you. So they don't actually have the book in stock. So it's it's interesting how that came about. He did a little research on that himself. So if you want to hear that whole explanation, everybody, go back one episode. Uh, sorry, the Sadie Miller one is two episodes back. But go back one episode and listen to David Howe explain this whole thing. I, I kept it on tape because it was an amazing explanation. Uh, so as you're looking around, just be really, really careful. And of course, you know, just uh, keep out there. Um my guest is Tony Witt. And of course, Tony, please tell everyone in the world here where we can find the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast. Yes, I remain Tony Witt. And you can find us on SoundCloud at forward slash Doctor Who Target BC, all one word with no spaces like a crazy person. You can also find us on Facebook at Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, all one word, no spaces. You can find us there at both of those locations and you can find links to the episodes also on Spotify and on iTunes. 
And don't forget, you can also find both of these podcasts at directionpoint.org. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to have so many great podcasts under one roof. So um, this is uh, one of those moments where uh, we help each other. And of course, uh, my, my target book expert, and uh, all this wonderful stuff goes together with the collecting. This goes with the issues around what you have and how you obtain it. So that's exactly uh, how we do things. So, and again, if you're looking to protect your hardcovers, remember Bags Unlimited Incorporated, bagsunlimited.com has the SPJ, that's the code. They sell the bag that fits the hardcover book perfectly. And it looks something like this and they fit the book I'll just hold it up in front of the book here so the viewers can see this. If you're viewing this on Patreon, they fit the book perfectly and will protect it. They won't crush the uh, edge of the dust jacket. So thank you again for listening to our main story. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. Keep collecting. Sad, Red, isn't it? People spend all that time making nice things and other people come along and break them. And now it's time for collection protection. Protecting your collectibles is most important thing to do if you want to preserve it for long term. Our collection protection segment is brought to you by Bags Unlimited Incorporated at bagsunlimited.com or 1-800-767-2247. If you do call, please let them know you heard this on the Doctor Who Collectors podcast. They have been providing collection protection items for, uh, from books to magazines to posters, uh, VHS tapes, Betamax tapes, action figures, and so forth since 1981. I started using them shortly after that when I started collecting uh, Doctor Who books and found that their paperback bags were just absolutely the only company that made them. In fact, when I ran Bundles from Britain, we sold Bugs Unlimited products exclusively, and I think um, they're still today in, uh, in use in many comic book stores across the country. So... Uh, today, you know, in keeping with our theme here of uh, classic hardcover books, I know I've talked about the special bags they make uh, for those, but there's another um, option here for preserving those hardcovers. One thing I noticed about some ex-library uh, hardcover books is that they were covered with a book cover, and that book cover effectively protected the dust jacket of that book, whether or not there were stamps inside or a pocket glued in or, or a big discarded stamp on the front page. And I know people have tried to cut those out with a knife and sell them as non-library, and that's another issue for another time. But I'm okay with ex-library copies because sometimes that's the only way you're going to get these. Uh, not a lot of them were um, put out on the shelves, uh, as we've learned over the last couple of years here doing this podcast. Anyway, um, you can actually get 
a better life in some cases, because I, I recently got a copy of Doctor Who and the War Games, which is a very difficult one to find. I finally found one for a reasonable price, and um, it's a it's an ex-library copy with lots of stuff glued into it, uh, stamps and so forth, but it had a cover on it. And I noticed when I opened up the box that it was a little bit discolored. And uh, when I when I do my next uh, video segment on on these hardcovers, I'll show you uh, what I'm talking about. And it basically looked like it was discolored. Well, I carefully removed the book cover, and the jacket was in pristine condition. So you know, if I happen to find a copy of the War Games cloth bound without a dust jacket in non-library condition, I may match these two up and have a really nice copy of the the war games. I don't know if that'll happen, but you know, I'm always on the lookout for those things. But anyway, if you want to cover your books to maybe preserve them from light damage, even though the, the bags that I talk about, the SPJ paperback bags, will do a great job, this might be a better uh, better way for longer term storage if you're not looking to turn these around or if you're looking to hold on to them for a long time. BagsUnlimited.com does carry the clear and easy book covers. Uh, they come either in individual sheets or rolls made from 1.5 mil archival polyester. This material will not yellow or become brittle over time, even in direct sunlight. So they both have a pre-folded one and a half inch flap on one long side. Simply insert the book jacket under the pre-folded edge, fold the other over the other side, and it comes with optional adhesive tab to keep the cover in place. You don't need to use it, if you, especially if you don't want to put adhesive on your book. So um, they come in various sizes, so you can use these on not just the classic hardcovers, but maybe uh, other hardcovers that are that are you know want to protect in your collection. You know, Doctor Who, the Celebration, or the Target book by David J. Howe, or any, or maybe the Dalek book from World Publications. You know, maybe protect that a little bit. So here's the options you have: uh, you can get them uh, eight inches by eighteen inches long, and you can get twenty-five of those for eleven twenty. By the way, the prices may change. Uh, you can get a 9 by 19 long uh, for 25 of those for 1327. You can get 10 by 20 and a half inches long. You can get 25 of those for about $16.21. You can get a 12 inch wide by 24 long, which gives you 25 of those for $17.69. Or you can get a roll of these, uh, 10 inches wide by 300 feet. Uh, and you can just cut them to, to match. And they're, they're um, simply slip the book jacket in and then you can uh, trim it to, to size and the, you can get one of those for $81.38. That might be your best bet because that'll cover more books. Um, also, you can get them slightly larger. You can get the uh, the 12 inches by 300 feet long. That one is a little bit less money. Uh, so 12, uh, one of those is $68.30. Uh, you can also get the 14 inch by 200 feet long and that's $67.21. So those are the options from Bags Unlimited. Also, you can search out on Google for any library supply company. Uh, I often use those when I'm looking for the tall bookends so that the books don't get marred by short bookends can do a little bit of damage to your classic hardcovers. You want them to be a little bit taller than the book with a side maybe covered in a, uh, in a cloth material or a, a velvet or something that keeps the book from, from pushing against that material or causing an indentation, especially if they're tight on a shelf. You don't want the end books, especially if the first end book is the Auton Invasion, uh, you don't want to put an impression on it that will be seen when you show it in light, and then that might decrease the value of your book. So some tips and tricks always with collection protection. Sometimes the more expensive 
or rare or pricey the item is, you may have to spend about as much to protect it. And we've talked about that many times. Of course, if you have any specific questions regarding collection protection, you got something you're not sure how to how to work or you need some help, um, give us an email at doctorwhocollectorspodcast at gmail.com and put collection protection in the subject line so I don't ignore it. And I will get back to you with some information if I can find it. You might need to give me some time for research, but I will answer every message. You have been listening to Collection Protection. All my travelings throughout the universe, I have battled against evil, against power-mad conspirators. I should have stayed here. The oldest civilization, decadent, degenerate, and rotten to the core. Power-mad conspirators, Daleks, Sontarans, Cybermen. They're still in the nursery compared to us. Ten million years of absolute power. That's what it takes to be really corrupt. Hello, and now it's time for the most outrageous offer. These offers are sent to us via email or through Messenger or through various means. And what that means is basically somebody's found a Doctor Who item that looks a little too high priced. Or it could be one of those robot stores that is hoping that you'll pay the higher price and they'll buy it from somebody with a lower price. So my advice, of course, is to always look for the lowest price based on um, what site you're shopping on or... Um, or where you know wherever you're finding your books, whether it be Amazon, Abe's Books, or eBay. Um, today's most outrageous offer candidate comes from Abe's Books, and uh, it's from a seller uh, called Low Key Books out of uh, Washington State and the United States. So they've been a seller since 2018 with a perfect seller rating. Um, what they are selling is the new Doctor Who Adventures. Uh, Virgin Publishings, and it's called Just War. Now, this was a, a book um, by, uh, looks like, I think Lance Parkin wrote this. Am I, am I right there? Yes, yes, sorry about that. Yeah, I couldn't, um, have, having a hard time reading the copy today. Anyway, um, the, the, um, the, seller is doing free shipping, but they're asking $3,719.14. Now, um, as we've learned, uh, this is most likely a robot store. Um, there are other copies of this book on Abe's books for as low as $152. I found it for as low as $135. Um, it depends. I mean, there's not a lot of books for sale right now. That's usually what drives the price into that $100 uh, to $150 range. Um, that's probably about what you might pay for it, because it's not a book that's readily available. And right now, the new adventure books are very popular again, thanks to the um, release of the New Who Adventures by David J. Howe. Uh, see our previous um, episode on that. So anyway, you can get a copy of Just War. I've did, we did not search Amazon for this one, uh, but my guess is you might find it uh, there as well. Uh, you might get lucky in a used bookstore. Uh, just just keep you know keep an eye out. If this is one you're missing for your collection and you really need to get a copy, you know the 135 price might be your way to go. Uh, but there is no reason to pay $3,719. We're going to try to do our best to shut down these robot stores that are uh, price gouging, basically. And I get, you know, I get into arguments with people sometimes saying, well, that's what it's going for. I said, well, no, not necessarily. It's what somebody's asking for. Uh, it's like somebody showing me an eBay listing telling me something's worth this much money. But I said, well, that's the starting bid. That's not a closed sale. That's what 
you got to go for? What did actually, you know, when cash changed hands, what is the price that was paid? You know, numerous Doctor Who books go for a lot of money, but if, unless they actually sell, that's where that's where you're at. You know, we we definitely look for the most uh, convenient and better prices. We did check DoctorWhoStore.com, and they do not have this one in stock. So that means it's probably a, a hard to find book, because Doctor Who. Excuse me, because Doctor Who store bought out a semi-trailer truck full of these books when they were pulled from the shelves back in the 90s. So my guess is they sold out of that stock of Just War. Anyway, that brings us, that's the most outrageous offer. If you find a Doctor Who item, it doesn't have to be a book. It could be anything. We had a million-dollar calendar on the program um, that looks a little too out of the range for what you think the price should be. Send us the link or, you know, or a screenshot or something that tells us where you found it. We'll do our research and we'll read it on the air. Um, the person who sent me this has asked me not to read their name, so we will respect that. Anyway, uh, thank you again for listening to the Dr. Who Collectors Podcast. That wraps up uh, this episode for today. I want to especially thank my guest, Mr. Tony Witt, who is our Dr. Who novel expert. He is the host of the Dr. Who Target Book Club podcast. You can find that out there along with our podcast almost anywhere except for Spotify. So uh, join us uh, pretty soon. Uh, we've got a few other things coming up. I don't exactly have the next one planned out yet, but uh, we've definitely got some good stuff planned for you down the road. Anyway, this has been the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, produced by myself and part of the Direction Point Network. Keep collecting. Doctor Who Podcast Network.